This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. This podcast is here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning. Crypto Curious is the place to get started as we cover off all the basics that you need to know. For new listeners, we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in, let's crack on. Now, you're probably wondering, you know, does Tracy have a cold? No, this is Craig hosting today. Tracy's enjoying her leave down. Where is she, Blake? I think she's in Albany, which is the south, southernmost tip of Western Australia. We apologize to anyone that comes here just to listen to Tracy. Unfortunately, you've yeah, got just, just the boys, boys today. <laughs> today, we're back with episode 25, and we're going to talk about jargon. So you've got Blake, who's a bit of a, the professor, and myself, who love to speak the crypto jargon, and not many people know what we're talking about. It can be super confusing when you're participating in this sector, because it has its own language and its own culture, its own humor. And as a result, you know, all these analogies and um, and jargon that, that go along with it. And, you know, today I think it's going to be helpful just to hit some of the more common ones and maybe some of the, the less common ones so you can, you know, find yourself navigating through the sector a bit more easily. And one, you know, that we refer to quite often, Craig, is DCA which stands for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy of instead of buying a lump sum, just spreading it out over a period of time. So, you know, for example, buying, you know, $100 a week instead of, you know, $400 at the start of the month. Yeah. Another one that you'll probably hear in the chat rooms when the price is down is HODL. HODL is a bit of a funny one. So this started out in 2013 in a forum on Bitcoin talk. And do you remember this story, Blake? It was this guy and he was posting about Bitcoin. I think it was like, you know, dollars at the time. It was nowhere near what it is now. And, you know, I think he had a few whiskeys and he was saying, you know, I'm just going to hodl. And now that's sort of stuck in the sector as a way to, you know, for people to say that they're hodling no matter what the price is. Yeah. And it was basically a typo from someone trying to type in holding. I wonder where he's at now. He must be doing well for himself. But, you know, we've covered off a bit of the main ones that you'll probably hear, but we'll get stuck into some of the more complicated ones. You know, we've got DeFi, which means decentralized finance, Web3, which we've spoken about in episode 11. What about the ones you might hear in Discord, Blake? What about BTD? Yeah, BTD often refers to buying the dip and... You know, the thesis there is that, you know, whenever Bitcoin dips, um, it's a good opportunity to buy. But, 
you know, sometimes it will just keep dipping and dipping and, um, and you know, it's often a, a hard decision to make. So, yeah, that's saying that you hear and see often in this sector, mainly because it's so volatile and it does, you know, the market does drop in price frequently and also, you know, goes up even more frequently. When the dip keeps dipping. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually know like a few fund managers and they have these bots that, all they do is buy the dip. So if there's a massive red candle, which is a massive downward mm. spike, the bots just automatically buy. So like, it's not a bad strategy. Yeah, for sure. I need to get one of those. Yeah. One of my faves from the early days that I certainly hadn't heard before was um, FUD, F-U-D, which stands for fear, uncertainty and doubt. And, you know, in the early days when there was misinformation in the market, it would actually move the market. So if there was some some fake news about you know, a particular coin, it might move like 20%. And as a result, people could make lots of money from this market manipulation, leverage trade these coins and you know, make a heap of cash. Now, as the crypto sector has you know, become bigger, it's a lot more difficult to do this. But, you know, some pieces of FUD that were, you know, we've seen over the years, uh, things like China banning Bitcoin, you know, it felt like every three to six months, China mm-hmm. was banning Bitcoin and the price would drop 20%. And then, you know, uh, then, of course, they would come out with just you know, some new regulation to, to manage it differently. And then the price would return. And, you know, it's I was certainly thinking at those points in time, you know, how many uh, how many people are making money off this that that know that these news articles are, are going to are coming out, you know before the public hears it. So, yeah, it's definitely something to watch out for in this sector, particularly with smaller cap coins, um, because, yeah, these pieces of news that, that you know, spread fear, uncertainty and doubt can really affect the price and, you you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of it. Yeah, I remember back in the day, 2017, you're right, like every six months, China would ban Bitcoin. Why do you reckon that was? Like, let's, like the tinfoil hat in me says that China have created the FUD so they can buy more. And the miners could buy more, but like, what do you think? Or you just think it was just a piece of media that they just continued to run? I reckon there isn't one reason, you know, there was different reasons for different announcements at certain points in time. You know, they did put a pause on buying and selling crypto um, so that they could spend some time regulating it. And when I was in China in 2016, trading Bitcoins through Hoibi, which is a Chinese based exchange, I was buying Bitcoins in Europe and selling them in Hoibi. And um, China banned Bitcoin. And I was like, gosh, what's going to happen to my crypto? It's going to get stuck in a Chinese exchange. I'm not going to be able to get it out. I'm going to lose all my money. Um, So, yeah, scary times. But I certainly think that there are all different reasons. You know, it would have been for policy, but it could have also been for uh, other reasons as well. Yeah, cool. Well, let's let's crack on. Um, You might see this as well with a token. ATH, all-time high. You remember maybe one of the most iconic all-time highs was Dogecoin when Elon Musk was on Saturday. Do you remember this Saturday Night Live? Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live and Dogecoin hit like 70 cents USD. That's like the most iconic all-time high that I can remember. What what some stick out in your mind, Blake? What's really interesting about your all-time high is that you know, Bitcoin is often, you know, close to all-time high. Um, and it's a bit nerve-wracking buying at all-time high prices, you know, knowing that it hasn't been at a higher price. But yeah, if you know, Bitcoin continues to do what it has done over the last 10 years and continues to grow higher, then 
you know, lots of people, you know, will be buying at those prices. And just to, I saw this the other day, Black, if you bought Bitcoin at the all-time high, you'd be down, I think it was around 30%. But if you started dollar cost averaging per week, since it's all-time high, you'd actually be up Mm. by like a percent or something. So that's why that we talk about dollar cost averaging because you do reduce the risk of, you know, the price you're getting in at. Yeah, for sure. It mitigates the entry price. Mm. You know, we were both around in 2017 when a lot of projects either went to zero or stopped existing. And one of these people that you call when they get into a project and it doesn't move is called a bag holder. So that's a person who holds a particular crypto while it literally just keeps going down only. I'm a bag holder in a fair few coins, I must say. (laughs) I won't say his name, but our friend who had like 20% supply of this coin and then it just became worthless. Yeah, he became part of, part of the community. That's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> okay, well, this is probably around the financial markets, but bullish and bearish. Can you give some insight as to why it's called bear and bull and, you know, what these mean? Yeah, the reason that we refer to bullish and bearish, you know, sentiment or, or movement in the markets is because, you know, a bull attacks with its head up, um, which means that the market's moving in, you know, positive price direction and a bear attacks with its head down which you know suggests that it's moving you know in a negative price direction what about a bull trap and a bear trap craig so a bull trap and a bear trap so a bull trap is when the price is continuously going down and then it reverses upwards just for a moment and then people are like oh you know the bulls are back the price is going to become bullish again and then it just goes down again. So like, it's just, it's a way to just trap bulls. And, you know, I've been caught in a few bull traps in my time. One of them is the 2017 top of Bitcoin. You'll see that after the all-time high, it decreased sharply and then it bounced. And that bounce there was the biggest bull trap. And then the bear trap is when, you know, sometimes like when Bitcoin is at all-time high and it Again, it goes down sharply. The bears are like, oh, this is it. Let's short. But in reality, it's, you know, not the right time to short because the price will just rebound. So, I mean, all these terms, they should put you off trading because like no one knows what's going to happen. And there's all these pieces of jargon and everyone's just really guessing what's going on. Yeah, that's right. And that probably leads us into what we often see and hear is, you know, markets dumping or coins dumping. What's that, Craig? Well, when, you know, a big wallet holder dumps coins, you can tell like the price movement is just subtle decrease. I remember when I was with you, Blake, actually, I was in Perth and I was holding this low cap Binance smart chain, like for lack of a better word, shit coin. Do you remember this? And I sold and you could literally see the sell on the chart. I was, I just had no volume. And that's an example of me dumping and creating a sharp price movement downwards. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I still don't understand, I've been in this space for five years What's forking? And I, I swear forking was a thing back in 2017, like Bitcoin forked. Remember, didn't it fork to Bitcoin Cash? Yeah. What is forking? Yeah, it's pretty unique to software and it kind of refers to the code base of something being split into two. 
Now, what's interesting about cryptocurrency, uh, many of the big cryptocurrencies, is that the code base is open source, which means anyone can see it, copy it, and use it for their own purposes. And a fork is essentially when you know there's a fight between people using one blockchain, and then they split the code base and they they create two blockchains from one. Now, this is pretty pretty abstract and pretty unique to crypto. However, you're just saying that that happens. And as a result, there was, you know, a big fork um, back in 2018. There was a fork of Bitcoin. There was ideological differences um, between the different, you know, community members within Bitcoin. And they ended up splitting um, Bitcoin, one called Bitcoin and one called Bitcoin Cash. And those communities are still strong and they're developing in their own directions now. But it turns out that Bitcoin has remained king regardless of, you know, their community being split. So, yeah, pretty interesting. You know, forks can also happen as a result of attacks as well. Um, People that can put resources into forking a, a crypto, particularly a proof of work blockchain like Bitcoin for their own gain. So it's an interesting aspect of the sector. So you just snuck in another bit of jargon there, proof of work. Now I've, I've been in the space for years and I have no idea what proof of work is and I have no idea what proof of stake is. I hear people go, oh, Ethereum's going to proof of work. That's so bullish. But like, I have no clue what that means. So Blake, can you give us an overview? What is proof of work and what is proof of stake? Yeah, for sure. So proof of work is a way of different blockchains um, arriving to consensus or to a point of truth. And they do this by using computing power to validate transactions on the network. Now, proof of work uses massive data centers out in the desert in Texas and in you know, running from hydro plants in British Columbia, all these computers working to validate transactions on the network and to be clear are they miners yeah these are miners so we call we call these computers that do this work miners um because essentially they're mining bitcoin which is an analogy of of mining um something in the real world so proof of work blockchains use a lot of energy and that's a big criticism about how they function but they need to input and output a lot of energy to be able to um for the blockchain to operate with this consensus mechanism. Now, a proof-of-stake blockchain is very different where it uses validators um, that don't necessarily need to use you know, large amounts of electricity to, to validate transactions on the network. And Bitcoin's a proof-of-work blockchain and Ethereum is a proof-of-stake blockchain. And it's called proof-of-stake um, because you need to stake your Ethereum or lock your Ethereum up kind of like in a term deposit to be able to become a validator on the network. And you need to do this basically to show that you have economic incentive to ensure that the transactions that you're validating, that there's alignment between, you know, yourself, um, who has made this investment to stake, um, and the network itself. Okay, Corn, you mentioned there about miners. Yeah, miners are basically computers that look like, mm, they look like shoeboxes. And they're specifically designed to mine cryptocurrencies and you know there's even like specialty ones for different coins so you would buy one type of miner for bitcoin and a different type of miner for something like dogecoin and you know these often can be used at home for hobbyists but primarily it's 
they're being used by you know corporates who are building massive data centers filled with these miners to mine bitcoin or, or other cryptocurrencies and we did an episode on on bitcoin mining with daniel roberts from iris energy which is the world's largest sustainable Bitcoin miner. So definitely jump back and have a listen to that to hear hear more about crypto mining. Do you reckon like, remember the 90s, you had like, a, you know, a two megabyte floppy disk and now you can get like a terabyte and a USB drive. Do you reckon we'll get to the stage where these miners aren't going to be massive shoe boxes that contain heaps of energy into something a lot more compact and better? Not really, because the way that the Bitcoin hashing rate works is that if there's more people on the network mining bitcoins then it actually makes it harder to mine bitcoins so you need more power gotcha and this is to make it more competitive so yeah i'm not sure if um i think it's always gonna take you know lots of computing power to be able to mine bitcoin interesting well we've got some more things to get through but first let's take a break from our sponsors I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back. So we've just gone into Bitcoin, proof of stake, proof of work, miners, a bunch of complicated stuff that you know can be a bit hard to understand. But you will you'll also hear the term Bitcoin wallet mentioned a bit. Soft wallet, cold wallet, warm wallet. Like, can you give an overview of what is a cold wallet, you know, what is a warm wallet and what is a hot wallet? Yeah, there's different types of cryptocurrency wallets where you can store your crypto and the different levels on the spectrum of, you know, cold to hot represent, you know, its security level. And with security, there's always trade-offs. So, you know, those that you know, want their cryptocurrency to be more secure often have to have additional processes in place to make it secure. And, you know, those that you know, don't necessarily care too much about how secure their crypto is, for example, if you just have your know, $100 in a wallet, you don't need to have arduous processes. Now, these kind of wallets that you would use day to day are called hot wallets. And it means you can put little bits in and out very quickly without too much hassle. Now, warm wallet generally refers to a wallet that sits on your desktop or your or on your laptop, and this has a reasonable level of security, but it's not the safest. And the safest type of cryptocurrency wallet is a cold wallet, and that's something that you keep completely offline. And they call it a cold wallet is because it's disconnected from the internet, which makes it very difficult for hackers to to hack at because you know they can't actually access it because it's offline. 
So yeah, they're the three kind of categories of wallets. There are more, but they're primarily the ones that you'll see day-to-day to store and manage your crypto. And you might hear as well the private key and the public key. Do you want to give us an overview of what they are? Yeah, for sure. So a private key is saying that you should never give anybody. And a private key basically gives you access to the blockchain to move your cryptocurrency around. And it's kind of like your password for your bank account. Now, your public key is saying like your bank account number, your BSB and account number. And this is what you can give to people for them to send you crypto. And your public-private key encryption is, you know, used all over the internet. But with crypto, we actively manage it with a little bit more detail. You'll see these things come up and just make sure you never share your private keys with anyone and, and make sure you never take a photo of your private key or you know, keep it anywhere online. Yeah, you know, your public key is mostly just a random combination of letters and numbers, but have you seen ENS on Ethereum, Blake? Yeah, I have. I actually bought a couple of ENS. Are they called ENS domains? ENS domains. So pretty much what ENS domain is, is is if you have an Ethereum wallet, you can actually buy a domain that will represent your wallet. So for example, you know, your current Ethereum wallet would be like OXWZ246, a bunch, like 20 random characters. But with ENS domains, Blake, you can have like Blake.eth, right? I tried to get Blake.eth, but taken. It, of course, wasn't what well, it was taken. <laughs> but yeah, so what's interesting about this is that, you know, you can attach an identity and like your a shorthand, your routing number to your wallet address, which makes it easy for businesses or, or people to, to do things instead of using kind of long, complicated um, phrases and keys. Mm. So we've probably heard a bit more fun terminology, Bitcoin whales. Now, what would you call a whale? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take this one. Yeah, go for it. Um, a whale refers to a personal entity that holds an absurd amount of a cryptocurrency. So we mentioned about our mate that owned 20% of something. If he sold, he would make a giant splash because the market would be completely, you know, overexposed to his trade. Like, for example, Satoshi. Is Satoshi the biggest Bitcoin wallet? He is, isn't he? If he somehow miraculously came back and unlocked his wallet and dumped it on Coinbase, we would see, you know, a, a significant splash. But in saying that, you've also got these whales who, when they buy the cryptocurrency, like Michael Saylor, I think last a few days ago, he bought, oh, I don't know, how many Bitcoins did he buy the other day? It was $119 million worth of Bitcoin. Bitcoin, yeah. yeah. And you can actually see, like, after he announced it, you can actually see the, the green candles go up from him his buy orders. So, yeah, these whales, um, you know, people say they control the market, but, yeah, they definitely make a splash when they make a trade. What about FOMO, Craig? FOMO stands for fear of missing out. And I, the way I would describe FOMO is like if your mate tells you about something and you don't even care about the price, you're just like, oh, I need to get in because, you know, he's making money and I'm not. It's a rookie mistake because when a coin is skyrocketing, you know, people FOMO in, people don't want to miss out on the pump and people have a fear of missing out. And, you know, that's what I was saying, you know, when Bitcoin was at all time high in November last year, 
people were FOMOing in where if they just dollar started dollar cost averaging at that point, that'd be in a much better position. So um, FOMO is the emotion. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we're really just scratching the surface here. You know, if you get into, you know, discords and um, you're reading different publications, there's all sorts of your terminology that you know we haven't covered off today but you'll see you know for example in discord in some of the chats for for DeFi projects i can barely figure out what's going on half the time just because they've developed their own culture so yeah it's a continued journey you know learning how to navigate this sector and you know we hope that you know we've helped you on your way if um you've been hearing some of these things and you haven't been sure what they mean on that note we hope you've learned a thing or two you know, when you're scouring through discords and, you know, telegram chats, we hope that this podcast has helped you um, decipher at least a little bit of what's going on in there. But as you know, you know, this space moves so quick, has its own culture, especially on Twitter. Like I feel bad for the people that are just starting out because, you know, it's its own language at times, but let's finish up. So we still want to know what you want to know about crypto. So please send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io and follow us on social media. All these details are in your show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. Five stars only though. Blake. Thanks, Craig. Um, I'll chat to you later. Next time, Tracy will be on, so you won't have to um, hear, hear me attempt at hosting again. So uh, let's let's leave it there. See you, mate. See ya. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.